Welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. We're dispensing stories of success from across the continuum of care. I'm your host, Hillary Blackburn. Thanks for joining us to learn from leaders throughout the pharmacy industry. Hey listeners, are you looking to buy your first house? Well, we've got Nate Hedrick with the Real Estate RPH here today to share a little bit of advice on what to do when you're approaching home buying. Hope you enjoy the episode. But before we get into the episode, I want to remind you that my book is now available on Amazon. Go check out how pharmacists lead answers from women who are leading, succeeding, and impacting pharmacy. It's a great book dedicated to women in pharmacy leadership. All right, so today on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast, we have a special guest, Dr. Nate Hedrick, who is a 2013 graduate of the Ohio Northern University. By day, he is a pharmacist and clinical program advisor for Medical Mutual, but by night and weekend, he works with pharmacists to buy, sell, flip, or rent homes as a licensed real estate agent with Berkshire Hathaway in Cleveland, Ohio. He's helped dozens of pharmacists achieve their goal of owning a house and is the founder of uh, www.realestaterph.com, which is a real estate blog that covers everything from first-time home buying to real estate investing. Nate, welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Well, thanks for joining us. And man, this is a hot topic for sure. Um, so now that our listeners have, have heard just a bit about your background, maybe you can share a bit about your um personal life or, or just a little fill in any gaps from that intro? Yeah, absolutely. So like you said, I, I live in Cleveland, Ohio. I work for uh, Medical Mutual of Ohio, or the largest and oldest insurance company uh, here in Ohio, and uh, work there as a pharmacist. I've got two lovely daughters, um, four-year-old and a two-year-old. So our house is extra crazy right now with the pandemic and um, lots of toys everywhere and hard to keep track, but we're doing great. And um, like you said, yeah, I, I do my regular full-time pharmacist job from nine to five. And then my uh, my nights and weekends when I'm, I'm not spending time with the family is dedicated to real estate and doing a, a lot on the real estate side hustle game. Awesome. So, okay. So Nate, tell, first tell us a, a little bit about you know Medical Mutual. Not everyone is familiar with what does a pharmacist do at... A health plan. Walk us through, did you head there straight after graduation or tell us a little bit about your journey and what you do, what you do in your day job? Yeah. So my job is actually pretty unique. I'm, I'm actually the only pharmacist at Medical Mutual that does what I do, even though we employ around 20 pharmacists now. So um, to kind of set it up, I actually graduated uh, from Ohio Northern and thought full clinical track. I'm going to go residency. I'm going to be uh, dedicated to clinical. I want to be, you know, that, that, dedicated clinical pharmacist. And so I did a residency at uh, Akron General here in Cleveland. Uh, loved it. Just fell in love with the psych space and the pain management space. Thought that was going to be my track. Um, joined the world of hospice right thereafter as a consultant to really, again, further that track down the, the pain management side of side of the equation. And, and did that for a while and absolutely loved it. Um, but through that, through that work, I actually got the opportunity to help out with that company's 
sales division. I actually um, was asked to come out to a presentation with a, a client and just talk about our pharmacy programs and to try to win that business. And quickly realized that uh, my my gift of gab fit in perfectly with the sales team, and that I really enjoyed using my clinical background and my my expertise, and coupling that with the the sales side of the equation. And so, I uh, started working with that sales team and was traveling around the country, uh, working for uh, basically a, a national PBM, using my mm. pharmacist knowledge to to help with uh, PBM sales, which was a bit bit strange. And then mm-hmm. again, my, my girls came along and I said, I got to do something that isn't all over the country all the time. I was flying mm-hmm. to California and Florida in the same week sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so I said, well, I got to find something local and was lucky enough to learn about a job that they were creating here in, in Cleveland to do basically the exact same thing, support the sales team as a clinical pharmacist, but mm-hmm. it was relegated to just Ohio. And so I've been mm-hmm. doing that since 2018 and uh, absolutely love it. It's a perfect fit for me. I love that. Yeah. And, you know, I think that that is a, an important point to make that you had that great clinical background by doing a residency and getting that experience. And then you have such good relational skills, interpersonal skills, communication skills. So combining that, um, is really, um, a unique skill set that, um, pharmacists are able to, I mean, that's kind of what I do in, in my current role mm-hmm. as well is combining some of those, uh, fun things and, and something that isn't as often talked about in pharmacy school. So, um, yeah, love that. Okay. So, um, and then kind of day to day with, with medical mutual, you're basically now, who are you selling to, or who yeah. are you kind of helping to translate that, uh, clinical, and business lingo back and forth. Absolutely. Yeah. It's uh, it's definitely, like you said, a space I, did, I knew nothing about until I was in it, right? In pharmacy school, I didn't know this kind of position existed. And um, until I was in the space, didn't really know that this, this was a, a thing to do. But basically what we are working with is large employer groups uh, that are headquartered here in Ohio. So those that, um, you know, if you own Joe's Automotive Parts and you have 500 employees and you want to provide those employees with health insurance, you go to a carrier, you go to a health plan and basically buy, you choose which health plan you're going to use. Um, and you know, there are a lot of different players in the marketplace, but the, the idea is that we want to go in and we want to be the team that they select to use for their insurance needs. And that can be everything from medical coverage to drug coverage. And then there are others that work in the life insurance space, disability space, and, um, you know, you can get all the way down the spectrum. So my focus Mm -hmm. is on the pharmacy side, obviously. And mm-hmm. the pharmacy services that we offer at Medical Mutual, we're trying to convince the employer that we are the best fit for their their team and their needs. So yeah. I'm going out with with that that sales team to basically sell what the other pharmacists that I work with are, are doing on a day to day basis. Yeah, awesome. And then the, most of the other pharmacists, I would assume, are helping with maybe prior authorizations or Correct. maybe helping with, um, you know. Uh, doing maybe chronic uh, medication management or maybe even doing MTM, any kind of clinical services there. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. And, and again, it's, it's really neat because I get to see what all these other pharmacists are doing and then I get to distill it down into something that mm-hmm. I can go 
talk to people about. And so, you know, like you said, it's a very traditional managed care setting where you're doing a lot of formulary management, um, a lot of yeah. prior authorization, step therapy guidelines. Um, mm-hmm. We have pharmacists that are dedicated to simply writing those guidelines. And then we have mm-hmm. other pharmacists who are set up to do direct patient outreach. Um, and these are actually some of my favorite pharmacists to, to talk with because their stories are so incredible. They'll go through and they'll look for very high complexity, um, mm-hmm. very um, high cost individuals. And they'll just call them up and say, hey, yeah. this is Nate with Medical Mutual. Uh, I'm a mm-hmm. pharmacist. Anything I can help you with today? And they mm-hmm. start going down the road of, is there a way to streamline their therapy? Is there right. a way to reduce cost? Uh, and then I can go back to, again, these employers and, and talk about all the great work that they're doing. So it's mm-hmm. it's it's a pretty diverse spectrum and I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. Or yeah, there's like high cost meds and is mm-hmm. there some kind of alternative therapy? And then you're saying saving the patient and uh, the employer, you know, money on that. So lots of different things that, yep. that pharmacists can do in the health plan space. And I think um, as we look to the future, that should only grow, you know, um, really uh, leveraging pharmacy services for um, employers and, and Medicaid uh, managing patient populations, um, because uh, I think I just saw that medications, uh, medical services and medications, uh, according to AHIP, um, the health insurance plan uh, organization, costs over 80% of mm-hmm. a premium, but I think medications were dedicated to about 21%. Um, so lots of opportunity there. Well, yeah, very no, good. Then the rise of specialty medications alone. I mean, we, we've got employer yes. groups that are spending 50% of their drug costs mm-hmm. on a couple of specialty medications alone. So we've got to get really creative with how to, how to handle that. Very good point. All right. So you do that by day. <laughs> what was the passion for real estate? Why did you get into that? And why did you get your real estate license? Yeah, it's funny. So like I said, I started off all clinical. And so I thought after residency, I'd go and get my board certification in, in something. Um, but as I was getting near to that, I I, th- I, I kind of had this this moment where I said, well, what else is there that I could be doing? Um, you know, I love pharmacy. I love what I'm doing. But the sales role is really interesting to me uh, that I'm working in now. And uh, I wanted to see what else is out there. And so I I started reading, just kind of getting out there and, and reading some some interesting books and found Rich Dad, Poor Dad, like many other people that mm-hmm. I've spoken with, um, and just got this this itch to check out real estate. And uh, I was initially interested as becoming a real estate investor, working mm-hmm. on buying and selling homes and, and whatnot in that, in that regard. But uh, in talking with a couple of individuals, I thought, man, I should really look at getting my real estate license. And mm-hmm. so I, I often joke with my wife that uh, I should have been getting my board certification, but instead I went out and I got my real estate <laughs> license. And uh, I never, I still don't have my board cert. That, that's okay, but uh, uh, don't need it now. But um, right. I got, got my real estate license instead. And uh, again, initially got it as a way to just supplement my real estate investing and my interest there, but quickly realized that I had a, a niche that I could start working with, and that was pharmacists. Mm-hmm. And uh, got my first pharmacist client, and it's just been growing ever since then. And I, I don't exclusively work with pharmacists, but that tends to be the uh, the population that, that gravitates toward me. So, hmm. interesting. Um, and, and that led me to build Real Estate RPH, the website that really supports um, information and 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 education dedicated toward pharmacists in, in real estate. Yeah. Okay. 
Interesting. And so when, when was that? Like it's 2020 now. So how long have you been doing? Yeah. So I, uh, (laughs) again, you'll laugh because, uh, uh, my wife was about seven months pregnant when I decided to enroll in real estate classes. (laughs) So she was thrilled with that. Uh, my night course is going on, but, um, that was in 2016. And then I got licensed, uh, in early 2017. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I did not go the board certification route, but actually went back and got my MBA in 2019 mm-hmm. and um, did that because I knew that hopefully we would be pregnant soon. Um, <laughs> and so, you, you know, you got to try to get all those things in before exactly. the kids come, right? Exactly. Um, I, I'm sure that, you know, w- once you get out of the thick of the the littles, then, you know, um, you have a little bit more time, but um, we were kind of preparing for that. So, all right. Um, housing, real estate, man, I was just reading an article in the wall street journal that home prices are higher than they've ever been. And some of that is due to the pandemic because what are we doing right now, Nate? We're both sitting in our homes working and with all this extra time at your house, people are really, um, thinking about, um, you know, they want a bigger home. They need a home office. They want a home gym. I mean, those are all the things that, that I want. We, before, um, you know, we're in Nashville, which is a very hot area. Um, people, I think we're moving like a hundred people plus per day. Um, and we were like right in the thick, like right near Vanderbilt. Um, we've got this beautiful old craftsman style home. Um, but our family's growing, Um, you know, uh, all of the attractiveness of being right in the city. Um, so a lot of people are, you know, like moving to the burbs if you can. So we, we actually are kind of like considering that. So think about me as kind of like your, um, ideal customer, like how do people like (laughs) come to you and like, what are, what are some of the things that you kind of, um, walk through when you're evaluating, um, and I guess it depends. Like, so you mentioned yeah. that it, you know, are people just wanting to like buy their first home or buy a different home or, you know, of course on the other side, you got to sell or man flipping. That is a whole nother um, <laughs> challenge is I'm realizing with just our very small renovation project um, or, you know, do you want to build up, I mean, building up a um, repository of, um, rental properties is a great way to make some, um, income. So yeah, let, I'll let you go from there. No, you're good. So, uh, a lot of my clients tend to be, you know, one or the other, I either get first time home buyers, a lot of times pharmacists that are looking to buy their first house, uh, or I get pharmacists that already have their house and they're looking to start into real estate investing and then they look for, uh, assistance there. And so, but like you said, we're starting to see more and more pharmacists and, and everyone really who's reassessing that home that they need mm-hmm. based on the post-pandemic world. Mm-hmm. And again, like you said, it's a lot of home offices. It's maybe an extra bedroom than they were expecting before. Um, mm-hmm. You know, those things are really starting to drive the the conversation. And like you said, the the market has been extremely hot. Um, we had a, a very brief lull right at the beginning of the pandemic, right in March and April. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was, you know, everyone was kind of waiting and watching. And then as things started to open back up after the initial lockdowns um, started to wave a bit, Mm -hmm. we saw just a crazy housing market 
with houses selling over asking price, uh, houses selling mm-hmm. with more Multiple than a few offers. offers. Yeah, exactly. You're very um, competitive. Yeah. I, I, three of the four houses that I have under contract right now with my clients, all of those were on the market less than a week. Yeah. So it's Crazy. just, yeah, it's very, very quick market. And um, I think it's starting to get a little better in some areas of the country. I'm seeing some areas that are slowing down slightly as winter's starting to set in in those areas. Mm-hmm. But the vast yeah. majority, it's it's still very, very hot and hard to make movements. Yeah. Even schools, you know, it's, it's really, I mean, you know, I'm kind of in my little microcosm of like the Nashville and suburban Brentwood areas. But um, Nashville is in Davidson County Mm -hmm. and their school district did not go back to school. So you've got families that are wanting to move to Williamson County so that their kids can go to school because, you know, we've got this balance. I don't know what your kids are doing right now, but you're trying to work from home and do homeschooling and all of those things. So it is just one thing after the other with, um, you know, uh, reasons, I guess, to potentially move. Absolutely. Um, all right. So when someone wants to buy a home, what are some of the things that they need to be thinking about? Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I deal with this a lot, right? People that are saying, I think I'm going to buy a house in 2021. What should I be doing now um, to kind of prepare for that? Or, or what are the things mm-hmm. I need to be thinking about? And I think the first step is, is a little bit of what we've been alluding to already. And that's really determining your must-haves. Mm-hmm. Taking a step back and figuring out what is an ideal home for you. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, the old conversation used to be, well, how far do you want to be from work? But yeah. the new conversation might be, <laughs> is work in your basement or is work going to be in your fourth bedroom? Like, what does that look mm-hmm. like? So, you know, th- figuring out what your needs are now, figuring out what you think they might be in the next couple of years, um, that really is is step one. Because the conversations from there change very drastically depending on if you need a $100,000 house or you need a $600,000 house, depending on, on, on where you're stacking up. So um, that initial must-haves from schools to property taxes to the community mm-hmm. you want to live in to new construction versus pre-existing home, yeah. um, you know, all of those things are something you want to start with and kind of make that list of these are the things that I need to have in my ideal home. And, mm-hmm. and then you can start walking down the road from there. Yeah. Um, no, that's great. I think knowing what you want is important. But then also, you know, we have toured a lot of houses too. Uh, what? How many houses do you think um, you're usually, I guess, like going and showing people? Or maybe we're just picky. <laughs> no, you're, you're, it's funny. I, I have a you know huge what you spectrum. like and don't like. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've had a huge spectrum. I had one client where uh, we did one showing. Uh, at one house and we put an offer in and he bought it and it was like the easiest thing ever. Um, and then I've had other clients that are, you know, we're going out every other weekend and it's yeah. months and it's five <laughs> houses every weekend and, and we're seeing a bunch. So uh-huh. um, it, it, it varies all the way across the board. Um, I okay. think it, a lot of it comes down to one, what stage of home are you in? Right. So first time mm-hmm. home buyers tend to be a little bit less picky because it's, you know, mm-hmm. it's that, it's kind of that initial home. I'm just trying to get in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, forever home buyers, right. People that are right. buying their second or third home, that's when you tend mm-hmm. to start getting a lot more, um, picky because you're really saying, look, I'm going to buy this and I don't intend to move for 10 or 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I think it's, it, it's, it makes sense to get a little bit pickier in that case and look at more options. Yeah. Okay. So you've got to know what you want. Um, you've obviously got to 
connect with a real estate agent and figure out, I mean, how do, how do people determine what kind of real estate agent to work with? Like, yeah. Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, it, it really, it's, it's interesting. This is one of the things that, that I kind of pushed me in this direction to becoming a real estate agent is that when I got my first agent, uh, when we bought our first house, I knew nothing about real estate. Um, mm-hmm. I knew, you know, again, I think I asked my dad which bank he used for his house. Um, sure. and like, that's how I determined my lender. I had no idea what I was doing. And so I asked a couple of friends, somebody said, oh yeah, this person's Referral. an agent. Yeah. He yeah. helped me. Um, and I said, great. And, and mm-hmm. he was fine. Like it, it, it went okay. Um, mm-hmm. but I think there's a lot of okay agents out there. Um, and, and it's, it's, it behooves you to find somebody who's really stellar and somebody who really mm-hmm. knows their stuff. And I think it's actually interesting that, um, again, that first step, knowing what you want can actually help you find the right agent too. Because if you're going in for an investment property or you're going in for a property that you want to flip, or it's a a community of $800,000 homes and there is, you know, 50 houses and that's it, right? Those are very different agents for each one of those different, different avenues. So figuring out those must haves can help you figure out a, a good quality agent to start targeting. Um, and mm-hmm. that's actually one of the things that, that I realized was, was a, a difficulty, right? Cause you can jump on Google, yeah. you can jump on, you know, you can call your local real estate office. Um, mm-hmm. but how do you actually find that good agent? And so what I recommend is that you interview that individual and you interview a couple of people to try to mm-hmm. find somebody who's going to be a good fit for you, but that can be time consuming. That can be difficult. And so actually one of the things that I launched, uh, late last year, and it's really been going well this year is our, our real estate concierge service over at real estate RPH. And what we'll do is we'll take a, a 30 minute phone call with you. Um, it's actually me and me and the client over the phone, uh, over a zoom call now, and, uh, just chatting about what your needs are, what you're looking for. And then I'll go actually go out and do the interviews myself. And as an agent, it's a bit easier for me, I think, to, to figure out who's going to be a good fit. And I know the right questions to ask. And so I've been yeah. able to make that process a lot easier, uh, in connecting people with, with local real estate agents, wherever they are in the country. And so we're about to close our 15th deal for the year with real, with pharmacists that we've helped all over the country. And, uh, it's, it's, it's been great. It's been a really smooth process. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, and then too, you know, you being a pharmacist and going with other pharmacists, I mean, people like that familiarity. Um, it just feels kind of, you know, safe, I guess, and just familiar. Um, yeah. I mean, if you're going to work with an agent anyway, right, you got to work right. with somebody. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. I guess you don't have to, but we recommend that you work with somebody. You <laughs> might as well work with somebody that shares something, you know, with you as well, right? It's not just real right. estate that you're sharing now, it's pharmacy and real estate. And that that's led to a lot easier conversations. And I understand their schedule a lot better. I understand, um, you know, student loans being part of the equation. Um, and all those things start to come up and it's it's easier for me to understand that. Okay. Awesome. All right. Now the, the other big thing, money, <laughs> how do people come, how do they decide, oh, I'm going to get this, you know, $400,000 home or man, I'm going to be swinging for, and it all depends on kind of the market of where you want to buy. So, you know, some places like I'm here in, in Mississippi where I grew up, and in a small town and, you know, probably the biggest home here is, you know, four or $500,000. And that is like huge, big, mm-hmm. whatever you go to Nashville and 
you can get a, a modest home for that. Right. So how do you come up with your budget and, you know, and then kind of talking through like financing options and all of those kinds of things? Yeah. Figuring out a budget is, is easily one of the most important steps you can do. Um, and I actually recommend doing this well before you even connect with that agent, really figuring out what is my budget going to look like and, and not letting the bank set it for you. And what I mean by that is if you go to the bank and you say, hey, I'm a pharmacist, my spouse is a pharmacist, uh, we, here's our collective income, what kind of house can I afford? They're yeah. going to give crazy figures. Um, they're mm -hmm. going to push your debt to income ratio as, as high as they can. And, and again, mm -hmm. bank's job is to literally sell money. So their goal mm -hmm. is to push that as high as you can. So yeah. what I recommend is before you talk to any lenders, before you talk to a real estate agent, really sit down and figure out what your budget is going to look like. And there are usually two key factors that affect that, that budget. And one is, is a bit easier to understand. So one is down payment. So most houses you're going to require, you know, a 10 or 20% down payment. Now there are a lot of creative ways to get, to get flexible on that. And we can talk about that in a moment, but in most cases, you're going to need anywhere from 10 to 20% down. And so if you're talking about a $500,000 house, now we're talking about potentially 50 to a hundred thousand dollars down. And that's a very you know serious number to come up with and find savings for, so so start with that down payment and, re and realize what maybe you can you can handle, and then you want to talk about your monthly expenses. Housing costs for most individuals is the highest monthly expense that you will have. Um, mm -hmm. For some of us, it's still student loans, but for the rest of us, it's it's, <laughs> it's going to be your housing costs. And mm -hmm. so figuring out what that looks like um, is really really essential. So. I recommend to a lot of my clients that uh, as much as I'd love to give you a back of the napkin rule, right? It's it's 10% right. of this or whatever. The reality yeah. is it's better to dive into the deep numbers and, and really figure it out. Um, mm -hmm. So I often recommend the what I call the 50-30-20 rule. Mm -hmm. This is really common out there. You can Google that and find it anywhere. But 50% of your costs going toward your needs, 30% going toward your wants, 20% going towards savings or wealth building. And so within that 50%, you've got to find room for housing expenses. And so if you already know that your student loan load is this and your monthly food cost is this and your transportation costs and cars and all that other stuff adds up, you can figure out pretty quickly what you have left over for a house. Yeah. And so like you said, if, if those numbers stack up and you're no longer in even the median price range for your particular area, you may need mm -hmm. to just take a step back and, and reassess um, about mm -hmm. what your needs actually might be. Very helpful. All right. So we've walked through how to approach buying a home. Um, what would you say are kind of the, you know, just if you wanted to, to give a little bit of tips on flipping or, or um, rental properties, those kinds of things. I feel like a lot of people are into flipping. You, you watch HGTV um, or, you know, you kind of hear like, oh, I, you can make a lot of money if you have a lot of rental properties. Um, what would you kind of say to those two topics? Yeah. And so I, I initially got started in real estate because I was interested in investing. And so we were lucky enough to, uh, to find a way to buy our first rental property uh, last year, late uh, 2019. And we actually bought our second this year. Um, and the second one was a flip. So we've been we've been in the space. I've actually been helping other investors as well, but but personally, we've actually been able to buy two so far. Um, and and flipping's fun. It's uh it's an interesting game. It you have to really take the emotion out of it and mm -hmm. focus really really heavily on the numbers um, because you're right. There's a lot of opportunity, but there's also a lot of pitfalls. 
Um, so we, we, the house that we bought, um, was an absolute disaster and <laughs> needed a ton, a ton of work. Um, mm -hmm. but we're following, uh, something I, I'd recommend everyone take a look at called the Burr method, which stands for yeah, yeah, bigger pockets. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, definitely uh -huh. check out bigger pockets. Um, really, which is really podcast really, and yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great resource. Um, but one of the things that they, they advocate for and that I, I really resonate with is called the Burr method, um, which stands for buy rehab rent refinance and repeat. And so very briefly, what that looks like is that you are looking to buy a home in cash. You are looking to renovate that house, bring it up to, to a, a certain value, uh, rent it out to somebody. So it's going to serve as a long-term rental property for someone. And then you actually go to the bank and you do it, what's called a cash out refinance. And so what this looks like in practice is that if you can buy a home for, let's say $20,000, and you, and I know that's really cheap. And some people are like, you can't buy a house for $20,000. I promise you can. Um, it depends on your area, but let's just, for sake of numbers, let's say you buy a $20,000 house and put $30,000 into rehab. So you now have 50 K in that home. But if you go to the bank and it's worth a hundred thousand dollars after an appraisal, um, and I've seen people pull off these numbers before you can go to that bank and say, I would like a loan on that home for $75,000. Basically you, you can loan up to 75% of the value of that house. And so they will cut you a check for $75,000 and you now have a mortgage on that property. And so what the Burr method allows you to do is preserve capital. So if you've saved up enough money to, to buy this investment property and to, to rehab a home, you can then pull the cash back out of that deal um, and, and go on and do the next one. And what I really like about this from a risk standpoint is that you're not over leveraging yourself. You're still mm -hmm. keeping 25% of the value of that home in the actual property itself. You're not, you're not just pulling all the cash out. So it's a really, um, you know, f fairly conservative way to invest in real estate without losing a lot of that capital up front, and then making it a rental, make sure that it, it maintains its value and can pay for itself over the long term. So that's something we've really moved into and, and something I'm looking to do more of in the future. Yeah. Wow. That's really helpful. And then um, probably another thing to consider is having, are you going to do it yourself or do you have a good contractor? So, you know, contractors are, can be hard to come by, especially if you're yes. in a market where, um, people are just buying and, and we're really building, renovating tons of homes. Um, so, you know, even bringing a contractor with you, um, I even listened to one of the podcast episodes with bigger pockets on like how to like, basically um cultivate a relationship with a contractor because yeah. they they are very different they work very differently than than a pharmacist does a pharmacist you know they're um it's just a very different mindset different um you know more physical labor and different things mm -hmm. like that so how did you go about that yeah uh building that contractor team is 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 difficult to say the least um it comes mm -hmm. down to a uh, you know relationship building uh, again, we were lucky with this particular deal to uh, work with a partner that was uh, in the area that we were investing. And that partner really helped us identify a couple of contractors that they had worked with previously. Um, something we've been doing for our local investment property is, you know, with some smaller jobs, I'll try, you know, a new contractor here and there, see how they operate, mm -hmm. see what their response times are, um, yeah. see how they, you know, what, what their, their quality of work is. Um, and then that way I can kind of evaluate who I would want to use for a larger job. And what I generally find is that you've got a spectrum. 
from very business savvy contractors who uh-huh. you know, their work may be great. Their work may be okay, but they're, they're very business savvy and they tend to be a little bit more expensive, but they're also mm-hmm. great on response time and, and customer service. And then you've got this mm-hmm. other end of usually very high quality workmanship. Um, mm-hmm. Not always, but usually, but terrible business people. And they don't, they don't answer a phone call and email. Yeah. Um, but if you can get that relationship with them, if you can build that personal relationship, those are the guys that that really are are able to help you be successful. And so um, starting to, to find those individuals and start to talk with them and, and try to build those relationships because it's it's a, an uphill battle sometimes to find the right person. Yeah, very interesting. Man, all right. Well, Nate, we, there is just a plethora of information to go with that. Is there any other kind of final tips or things that you want to touch on to share about the real estate market um, right now. Yeah, I just think that if you are looking to buy a home, whether that be, again, your next house or uh, your, your first investment or your next investment, whatever, especially going into the, the new year, um, do your work ahead of time. I think it's really easy in, in today's uh, world of, of Zillow and Realtor.com to simply jump mm-hmm. online, look at houses and, and kind of get lost in in the the looking at the fixtures and, and all the things that go with that house. But I would recommend everyone take a kind of a step back first and evaluate your your own personal finances and then go out with those finances. So figuring out those things ahead of time can really set yourselves up for success. The last thing you want to do is make yourself house poor, um, over buying a house that you really you don't need because it's easy to fall in love with a house that's outside your price range. I've seen yep. this countless times. If someone comes to me and they say, Nate, my range is three hundred to 500000 Every mm-hmm. single one of those people buys a $500,000 house because they they really try to push that budget. And I'm always mm-hmm. trying to rein people back in to say, look, mm-hmm. at, look at your personal finances, make a decision based on that rather than falling in love with whatever's in that house. Yeah, very good advice. So Nate, as our final question, I love to ask all of my guests, what is some advice that you would tell your younger self or for other pharmacists out there who are just getting started in their career? Oh, yeah. Um, If I could go back, right, I think I was so clinically focused, and I see so many pharmacists Mm. that are so Mm one-track mind. My advice to myself and to to others would be, really, um, don't be afraid of other experiences. It's very easy, especially in pharmacy, I think. we, We get so into our into our own niche that we're mm-hmm. like, pharmacy is it. I went to pharmacy school. I am, this is all I'm doing. Um, mm-hmm. and, and if I'm not the, the cardiac pharmacist at this particular hospital in, in 10 years, I'm not going to be successful. But the reality mm-hmm. is there are, are a thousand ways to measure success in pharmacy and, and in life. And I think opening yourself up to other opportunities is something we don't talk enough about. And it's something that I, I wish I would have looked at a little bit sooner. Um, I, I still ended up in a great spot and I'm really happy with where I am. Um, but I think I was very, very clinically focused early on and I'm glad I pivoted a little bit because I am happier than I thought I could be. And, uh, it it really came down to just trying some new things to get there. Wonderful. Such great advice, Nate. And just as a reminder, where can our listeners, uh, connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. So check me out on uh, realestaterph.com. That's probably the best place. Um, I'm always talking to people on LinkedIn. Um, so you can find me there at, just at Nate Hedrick. I'm also on Instagram at realestaterph. So go ahead and follow me there. And uh, you can see pictures from my last flip that I did. And you can see how we took it from a garbage pile to uh, a pretty nice home for uh, for our renter to live in. So 
all those places are great places to track me down. Awesome. Well, Nate, thanks so much for being a guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Thanks for having me. It was great. For more about pharmacists in leadership, be sure to check out my new book now available as an ebook and paperback on Amazon. Go over to Amazon and search for How Pharmacists Lead, Answers from Women Who Are Leading, Succeeding, and Impacting Pharmacy. And I hope you check it out. And if you liked this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps us to get in front of more pharmacists and others interested in the pharmacy industry. We really appreciate your support in sharing this content. Thanks for listening to this episode of Talk to Your Pharmacist, produced by the Pharmacy Advisory Group. If you liked this episode, let us know by subscribing to the podcast, rating, and reviewing it. Share it with friends. And if you want to be a guest or know a pharmacist leader who has a great story to tell, connect with me, Hillary Blackburn, on LinkedIn and check out our Facebook page, Pharmacy Advisory Group, for updates on new podcasts. Thanks for listening.